0: Once I hit around, I would say around 400,000 of net worth, my lifestyle and feelings didn't really change that much. That was like the peak where I was like, wow, I feel stable now. I feel good. I feel like this will compound over time. I don't have to worry as much and I don't have to do things just for money. But I, I so many of my friends are still hustling and they it just doesn't stop. And I ask him, I say like, great, like you're you're a millionaire and you have all this growing business. Like what's next? Like, oh, I'm going to double my business or I want to speak here. And I'm like, awesome. Like you do that. Then like, what's next? They, they, there's never an end. It's just, they just want more and more and more and more and more, which I appreciate the hustle. But at certain point it's like, when, what is enough? You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio
1: allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield, and Jace Mattinson. Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 125. Jace, what's going on? How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? Doing well. We just had two interviews tonight, so that was fun, kind of talking to people about this change in the market. I read that s and is down about 19% in the last month. we got to look up year to date, or yeah, year to date, but Anyway, big drop in the market because of this Corona stuff. So it's kind of been interesting to ask some of these millionaires, what are they doing now? And the guy we interviewed tonight had about eight hundred thousand dollars on the sideline. So interesting to see what he was doing, and not really a big equity market guy, but being a little tempted, I think, right when it's down twenty percent ish.
2: Yeah, it creates a interesting opportunity, especially those that are, you know, either young or or have some time ahead of them to invest. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next probably two weeks. Or three weeks here, I think that's going to be pretty critical as we kind of move into the springtime. See what happens with you know a bunch of the the countries that have been significantly impacted from Corona. Uh, you know, if if the U.S. continues to have cases increase and and kind of what takes place, and then you know we've had oil just dropping like a rock, you know, and we got a little bit of a price war going on with with oil. So a lot of interesting things happen in the markets. I think for the podcast and, and talking to these millionaires. We're going to be able to to kind of dive into some some
1: of their minds, uh, maybe more so than we have in the past. You know, considering the bull run that we've been on. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the questions we ask a lot is is how much cash do you have on the sideline and kind of what are you waiting that What are you holding that for? Right? What are you waiting on? And and some of that might be a dip in the market. Some people might say, "Oh, I'm looking for a good real estate deal," and some people might just say, oh, "I want to hold more or have a bigger emergency fund." So, it makes the conversation a little bit more interesting when the market's down and. And there's something to to do with it. One of the other things we we talked about tonight is is when we ask a lot of these guests what's worth spending more money on or spending less money on, most people say vacations, right? Vacations or activities with family, experiences, right? It's yep. a common answer that we get. And then what's not worth the money, we get a host of things. But a comment that you made is that a lot of the people don't say having a bigger house or buying a bigger house. And it's it's probably something that we've noticed while doing these interviews, at least it stood out to me, is that most of the millionaires we've interviewed don't have a big house, right? And, and few of them have second homes. Some do, but, but not not the majority by far.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I came across an article and you and I were talking about this too. You know, it's it, I think we had that rise in the McMansions for a while and, and it's still common in this country. I mean, you look at the statistics going back into the 50s and 60s, the homes that our grandparents lived in. I mean, they're just so much smaller than the homes that we lived in or that we grew up in and even more so the homes that are, are getting built now. And, you know, there's a bunch of studies they've done. It's funny to look at the data Most of the square footage in most people's homes is like never used. They spend all their time in kitchen, bedroom, and then, you know, whatever the great room or family room area is. And that's about it. And it's kind of interesting given that these millionaires we talked to, several of them have paid off homes. Several of them could go afford to buy a bigger home, more square footage, you know, everything in between. And a lot of them don't.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting in this, in this article, it's on market watch and it's titled, here's all the space we waste in our big American homes in one chart. And the chart is, is what, one, two, three, four, five, about seven rooms. Right. And, and the majority of it is in the kitchen family room and, and around like the kitchen table. And then some, uh, in the, in the piano room or a living room where the piano is located. So pretty interesting. The dining room and and the porch is, is something that, that never really gets used at least in this graphic.
2: Yeah, I think it kind of makes you think, you know, we just moved into a new home a few months ago. And, you know, I think that was something we tried to be fairly intentional about was making sure that the space would get utilized because that's just something that drives me crazy. You know, we got all this dining rooms and great, you know, all these different rooms. It's like, man, we never spend time in those rooms growing up or like if we did, it was to do homework to get away from everybody. And. And you know, my parents built a new house and totally redesigned how the setup is. And you know, we kind of did that same thing uh, when we built the home that we're in now. And and I think that trend will continue, just trying to utilize the space better and maybe not have as much of it.
1: Yeah, the dining room kind of seems to be a thing of the past, at least right with the millennial generation.
2: That informal living room, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, totally. Unless it's a piano, and that's maybe the only thing that's that's really used there, but. Yeah, at my home where my parents live, we have a living room, not a dining room, but a living room. Yeah. had a dining room growing up and and it's rarely used now.
2: Yeah, and even, I mean, even people's bedrooms, you look at the master bedrooms in a lot of houses and they're massive, but nobody does anything else in their master bedroom, but sleep on their bed, you know? <laughs> so, you get this like 400 square foot master bedroom or maybe even bigger and and then, you know, the closets that are storing the stuff and like nobody ever spends any time in there except to sleep. You know, it's All right. crazy. All
1: right. But All right. anyway. Pretty interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, interesting too because I'm in New York and I have a small apartment and, and it reminds me of last week's interview, right? We had John from uh, San Francisco. He's an immigrant, moved to the U.S. with about $1,000, uh, has a current net worth of about two point three. He's single, obviously lives in a high cost of living area in California. Again, this is last week, episode 124. He talked about how to increase your income from your day job and to achieve financial freedom in a high cost of living area. And he blogs if you're interested at financialfreedomcountdown.com. So really inspiring story with him. On today's show, many of you have heard of him. We have Jay Money from Budgets Are Sexy. That's his blog. We talk about his background, his asset allocation, net worth, and, and really all things related. So good interview with him. He shares that he reached $1 million in net worth in, in 2016, and he's now over $2 million. Uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, we had a giveaway for a book by Malcolm Gladwell and just wanted to thank Randy from Washington to writing for writing in. He was selected as last week's winner. So congrats, congrats to you, Randy. And uh, I'll be sending that this week. Thanks everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. The show continues to grow. And, and because it grows, we, we continue to get new millionaire interviewees. So appreciate everybody who, who gains something from it and listens. And if you do gain something from it, if you take away something or connect with someone, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. Uh, it's just, you know, it helps us grow and, and keep this show going. Also, if you're interested in being on the show, we're always looking for new millionaire interviewees. Our email is millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Feel free to just write us in or you can go on our website and, and you can contact us there, which we're, we're currently redoing, but it's up there now. So anyway, that's a, a little bit of the intro. And, and without any further delay, please help me welcome J Money to the show. Jay, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and kind
2: of what you're up to now?
0: Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's fun. Um, yeah, so I basically am just a regular person, no degrees in finance, no expertise in anything but sharing my opinions on stuff online. Uh, started the blog about uh, 12 years ago to talk about money, to have fun, hold myself accountable. And uh, one thing led to another and I realized you can make money online and Uh, snowballed into building a successful online presence, uh, made some money, gave away some money, and uh, still doing it here 12 years later. It's been an interesting and random ride so far.
2: Awesome. And I kind of want to get more into into your story and what you did before that and everything, but you just hit the million mark, right? So your net worth today is at what now?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1.1 million right now. Pretty wild. Awesome. Congrats. So let's dive into that a little
2: bit. What's kind of the breakup of the 1.1?
0: Yeah, sure. And I share this on my site too if anyone wants to um check it out, but um right now, um I actually um recently sold my blog and I I still write there every day um but that kind of pushed me over the mark so um i'll give you the breakdown uh, there's about six sections uh the first is savings um because about 250,000 sitting in there um which i have to do something with soon we have a tsp through my wife's work which is about 22,000 um we have some roth iras which is about 165,000 uh sep ira because i'm self-employed it's about 600,000 uh we have a home um that's let's say around 340 um, and then a couple of cars at 9,000. Uh, and then we have a mortgage, uh, around 266 to chip away at that asset. Um, and that leaves us around 1.1 1. 1, uh, million.
2: Awesome. And the, and the stuff that's invested in the markets, what's kind of the, the mega, of this individual stocks, mutual funds, index funds?
0: Yeah. So all of my stuff, my IRAs, um, is all basically just one fund. It's the VTSAX, the total market through Vanguard um you know i realized I, I picked stocks here and there and followed people's advice here and there and then once i started blogging and kind of paying attention to what all my my friends were doing online i i decided the indexing was the best for me you know i track the market i don't need to make a million but i want to you know at least make average um and so that's worked for me and then my wife is a little bit more conservative so she has a uh uh, a few other different funds that she uses through, you know, the TSP um, and her IRA, but a, a bulk of our money's in, in the index fund.
2: That's awesome. So let's, let's rewind here a little bit, maybe a decade or 12 years, whatever. When you first started, you started to get this blog to hold yourself a little more accountable. Would you say that worked?
0: Yeah, I would. Yeah. Accidentally, but yeah, it did. Um, it's funny. So like we were, um, I was engaged to my, to my now wife then, um, we were looking for, to rent like a one or two bedroom, uh, just apartment, um, and we actually took a wrong turn and, and stumbled across this like townhouse that was beautiful and it was for sale and we aren't looking to buy or anything, but one thing led to another. And a couple of days later we bought it, no money down, no budget. I mean, nothing, um, you know, but all my friends were, were buying houses and I felt like it was like an adult thing to do the American dream. Right. Um, So he did it and I saw, all right, well, you know, now I better pay attention to, to money. And and mind you, this is right before like the real estate crash, right before the market crash. So like it was right at the bubble. And so we bought it and I went online to, I think I Googled like how to budget or something like that. And that's when I came across blogs. I didn't know what blogs were. I'd never been a writer myself. Um, but the thing that was really Fascinating for me was seeing normal people talk about their money and they would share. Here's my net worth. Here's my savings. Here's my debt. And that was eye opening because we talk about money in general, but no one says, here's my real life money and then is willing to share it. And that kind of changed the whole game for me. And after about four or five months reading about other people, I thought, oh, I could share my story, right? And around then, it was around forty or fifty thousand. And then, you know, every month progressively, you know, when, when you're publicly broadcasting it to people, you tend to do better with your money. Um, and so I was better, knowing I'd have to like explain myself every month, you know. So, so it worked out. <laughs> Some accountability. Yeah, dude. Yeah, accountability is huge, especially with money, for sure.
2: Yeah. So I I kind of want to ask you about something. You bring up a real interesting point. And that was the f- the fact that, you know, we really don't talk about it a lot. And then all of a sudden you get online and you kind of put that accountability bucket out there that I guess followers you made not have even known, but you're accountable to them, right? Why is that? Yeah. Why are we so unaccountable in person? But if we put something online like that, we become very accountable.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, and it's ironic too, because I'm, you know, somewhat anonymous online. Like my real name, like surprise, surprise, isn't J Money. But, but being, but hiding behind even a name, like, allows me, like, I feel better about just dishing it all out there. Um, which is really interesting. And in real life, of course, you're not anonymous and people talk about savings and debt, but I think people are just afraid of being judged or, you know, it's just such a taboo thing. And it's weird because we'll talk about sex. We'll talk about all this other stuff. That's way more like crazier than just like budgeting, you know. But it is, and I think you know, and and, I, and most of my friends that read the blog are pretty cool with it. But then I do have some that have changed the way that they do react around me, very minimally. But I think that's another thing too, especially as you do grow your net worth, it does get weird for people. Uh, just naturally, so I think maybe online. I don't know. Maybe it's just freeing to to talk about it. And People that are reading, they can't go to their their normal circles in real life, so they go online to read and to interact with a community that's kind of supportive and that isn't going to judge you.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think you're spot on there, right? I think I think it's you don't want to look dumb, too, right? You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to say, hey, I have this money, and then get a bunch of feedback from people saying, you know, why'd you spend it this way or, or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah totally. It's intru- your, your point about, yeah, you talk about sex and everything else and then money, but it's kind of changing, isn't it, yeah, Jay? Like people are being so. more open to it. And maybe that is because they can hide behind a screen. You yeah, know, I are, think partly. social
0: media, yeah, yeah, social
1: media, you know, because you see with
0: politics, right? Like people are just not afraid to just share their opinions for, for whatever, you know, good or bad out there. And I think more people are now getting comfortable with being themselves, even even more like an amplified version of themselves online because once you have a following, you know, if you say something or kind of, you know, exaggerate a little bit, like it creates more of a spark or more virality. Right,
1: right, right? right. So
0: it's like really weird. So this whole social media internet thing really i mean it's transforming so much and and there is good things like with the money like our community is so supportive which is good but then you have the downside of sure um, so so it is interesting for sure it's a cool time we're living in and also a scary one if you're not you know
1: careful yeah if you're not careful about what you put out yeah so just i want to back up a little bit here i know you mentioned this with jace so you had and i looked at your your website where you kind of chart your net worth every year right yeah since when the last 10 years or so
0: yeah, 12, 12 years, years and yeah. every single month. So it's about 140-something net worth reports.
1: <laughs> yeah, wow. So in, in 2009, I just kind of briefly looking at it, just kind of guessed, you're at about 150 net worth, right? So okay. that, in, in 2008, 100, 100, does that sound about right? 100, 150 yeah. in 2008, 2009? That sounds about right, yeah. And now 10 years later, give or take, you're at a, you're at 1.1 or you know, just over that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And and talk, I just want to talk about like your Dave Ramsey kind of calls it your I've had it moment, right? Where you kind of said like, hey, I got to get it together. I could save more. And I know you just mentioned this to Jace was the house right Buying the house. And that kind of made you look at the budget. What else kind of pushed you in that direction? Was it kids? Was it marriage? Was it what made you become more serious about it?
0: So this is going to sound really stupid, um, but I've never been. I was never good with money, never bad. I was kind of like even, like I'd pretty much spend a bulk of what I have, maybe save five or 10%. Um, but what was interesting is I'd have money in savings. Then every now and then I'm like, Oh, let me pull it back from savings. And then you forget to put it back. So I was always playing this like transfer back and forth game with checking and savings. Um, and basically breaking even. And then I started investing in my company's 401k plan. Um, and as stupid as it is, seeing money that keeps being added to. And you're not allowed to pull back, right? You could pull it out from the account, but like there's so many fees. It's so annoying. <laughs> there are like so many barriers
1: that you just yeah, don't, yeah. Do it, right? you don't do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's stupid. That thing though, because I kept seeing it build up, especially with the network. Cause I started tracking it. Right. And then every month, like it's 5,000, it's 10,000 and right around like the $50,000 when I had like 50,000 in, in the 401k, I was like, holy crap. Like this is just amazing. It keeps going up. You know, and it's so stupid, but you know, just compounding. And yeah. that really was the time where I was like, okay, what can I like? How much more gas can I pour on? Right. And I switched companies and this company I was working for, it was ridiculous. They would start matching a hundred percent of a hundred percent you put into your network or into your 401k up to the legal match. So I think it was like, I not know, let's say 14,000 a year you could put in legally. Um, I could put in 14,000 and they would match the 14,000 right away um you know and it was amazing and people were like like well that's not like i've never heard that before and i was like well so all i can if i can figure out to live like for a few months on just a little bit amount of money um i can just max it out real quick and just in case something changes right you know and right away you have you know thirty thousand a year just banked in there And, and then so when the market was down so you're buying it cheap you know which is pure luck um and over time that's compounded but it was that 401k and the free matching where someone will give you free money to invest that you should be doing anyways. Totally. Like It's a no brainer, right? And I'll tell you this, let's say there was like 15 people working at this company. I was one of maybe two that actually invested in their 401k and that was a hundred percent matching free money. Even if you put money in, maxed it out and took it out and got hit with all the fees, you're still up like 40% or something, Shush.
1: you know? Crazy. Yeah, we were, Jace, we were talking about this. What is it of a percentage of people that invest in their 401 It was like, what, 10, 20% or something? Yeah, it, it's super low. Seen?
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Ah, and, and you crazy. know, I have a little insight at my company because I, I kind of oversee all that. So I, I kind of okay. see, and then our participation rate has actually gone up into where I feel like it's, it's pretty good. But yeah. a lot of that was because we have auto enrollment now
0: yeah, <laughs> and some other right. features,
2: you know, so people yeah. actually have to press that button to get out, yes. right? Like you're talking about these buttons where it's like, hey, if I have it all in there and it's very easy, and it's automated and I actually have to make effort
0: to change it, then yeah, I probably yeah. won't. <laughs> no, no. And the other added benefit is if you already get your first couple of paychecks with that in there, you already have a baseline of what you're
1: used to. You totally, know,
0: and so it, you don't feel like you're losing anything, right? Yep. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, and then Jace, you guys went and had like information sessions, right, where people could find out more. Yeah. So part of it, part of it's probably just educating. Right? I think a
2: lot of it is education to some degree, but I mean, at your yep. company,
1: J Money, you had you had people that could
0: literally get tens of thousands of dollars in free money, and they still weren't doing it. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, and the reason was was people like, I'm you know basically paycheck to paycheck right, and it was everyone yeah. from you know making thirty thousand a year up to I don't know the highest was probably two or three hundred thousand. It didn't matter like if it doesn't matter how much you make right, it depends on how much you're spending and yeah. what your lifestyle is, right so that that's the and that's the big thing with with these days and and you know the fire movement, you know something the f- uh financial independence retire early is kind of going there, but like a lot of these traditional financial experts like, oh, you need. 3 million to retire. And then, you know, Susie Orman on a, on a money blogging, um, podcast, like I think she said something like you need 5 5 million million. or like, you're never going to be able to retire. Like, it's just crazy, you know? And, and everyone's situations are so different and it really like, it's just so crazy that these numbers and then those numbers are so high that it scares people. And they're like, well, screw it. Like I might as well live now. There's no way in hell I'm going to make $5 million. You know, it's just so wild. So I mean, that's why I love our community. Like we don't, we're not all experts. We don't know everything, but at least like we're given opinions and we're sharing what works for us or our friends. And then you
1: uh, from there, you know, sure. Trying to help people. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your thought? Let's just jump to that. What's your thought on, on the fire and, and retire early? Is that something you're doing? Is that something you promote for people that don't know you? What's your thoughts? Yeah.
0: There? Yeah. I love, honestly, I love anything that gets people talking and thinking about money. Um, So whether it's like minimalist movement, the fire movement, you know, when extreme couponing was going, like all this stuff that happens to hit mainstream that gets people to stop and think, even if they hate it. Like, I love it because that means like people are taking the time to say, is this right for me? Is this not right for me? Right. Um, But you always have the people that are like, oh, that's stupid. That could never work for me. Or, you know, this one particular thing happened to me, which means, that you know, everyone has to deal with the same thing. It's just people are so kind of closed minded with stuff. Um, But I, I love the fire movement because it gets you to think. Um, and you know, a lot of these guys that are in the movement are my friends. They're bloggers just like me, right? And they're more extreme. Like they've earned a lot of money, banked it, you know, a lot sooner. And now they live, you know, and they live, you know, without spending that much money, right? It's not, right. you know, with, with me and three kids and some hobbies, you know, like I, I don't want to, you know, live on a, like 30,000 a year. Like I want to be happy. Um, so I need more money in order to do that, right? But that's a conscious choice. So I think that's the part people forget like you can set it up however you want to set it up you know um you know or you can just keep doing the treadmill thing and living paycheck to paycheck which you know some people are fine with but a lot of people stresses you out right it's it's too much yeah. so so I
1: I am a fan of it overall for sure it it's so hard to know right how much you're going to spend in retirement you yes. know Be- because your right. life it, i mean and even more so if you're both working you know you and a spouse yeah, because you're not you don't you don't have all time to just sit around or play golf or even if you're not, you know, working on the blog or whatever it is. You know, how did I mean, you kind of right. lived that life for a little bit before you you sold the blog, right? So you probably had a better idea, but it's yeah. hard for somebody that works a full time job. And then they say, OK, maybe, you know, maybe I spend 50, 60, 100 now, whatever it is. But right. now my life's going to drastically change. I'm going to retire. And what do I is it always going to yeah. be the same? Is it more? Is it less? Obviously, it depends on lifestyle, but kind of tricky to figure out, I would think.
0: Yeah, it is, and I think the part of the the FIRE you know acronym that a lot of people have trouble with, and, and even me, is like the retire part of it. Like the the point of it really is like financial freedom, like to have enough money coming in, you know, passively through investments or real estate or whatever your strategy of choice is. Like the the perfect world is that covers you for your living expenses, so you don't have to work if you don't want to, right? Um, but most people, I mean, honestly, I don't know one person that has hit fire and is retired that sits around and does nothing like people that can do that are really smart and motivated and they love life and they love learning um, or challenges at least. So all, so if you can hit fire, if you can hit financial freedom, right. And so you will do hobbies and stuff, but usually you do stuff you care about. And then, you know, ironically, a lot of that stuff makes money, right? Like I get asked all the time because I can't, I can't technically retire if I want to right now because I have kids and my lifestyle costs are too high, so I can't do it. I get people asked all the time, like, hey, if you like were retired, like, what would you do? Right. And like, I would still be on this podcast. I'd still blog and still do stuff (laughs) I enjoy. Right. But the only difference is I still need the money, you know, and so to be able to do it and not care or think about the money, even though it still might come like that to me is like total freedom, like wake up, do what you want to do you know, and, and you don't have to think about money. Like you think about money up until you get enough and then you're done. Like you can cut it off. Like, all right, now I don't have to worry. Right. Like that's the point of fire to me. It's not really like the so much retire and and never have to work again. Right. Cause people, you just can't like, you just can't do nothing. Sure. You know, especially if you're like 35 or 40, like, you know, that's just, this is stupid. So
1: it's the freedom though, the flexibility a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. It's all about free. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So when did you start uh, Budgets Are Sexy, the blog, for, for those who don't know, how many years you've been doing that?
0: Yeah. So I started in February of 2008. Um, so almost exactly, um, you know, uh, what is it? Not to, for, wait, that can't be right. It's 2000. Yeah. 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 12
1: years. Yeah, 12 years or so. Wow.
0: Yeah. Now, and so that's what got me in. Um, once I kind of stumbled across the idea that you can make money online, um, I started figuring out like, all right, I have my blog, my one real estate. Right. Um, but I had friends that had blogs and some of them like, hey, I'm done blogging. I'm going to shut it down you know, or do you want to buy it? And I was like, you can buy blogs. Like, that's crazy, right? Like, this is your thoughts, you know, like, how could you you buy a blog? But like, if it's making money, technically, it's kind of like a small business, right? Um, And so I I tried buying a friend's blog, and that worked well. And I was like, Oh, man, now I have like two places for advertisers, right? (laughs) Um, And so at some point, I ended up like like 12 different blogs, I only wrote for the one budgets are sexy. That's like my baby that I started. Um, but I started buying them up and then I would manage other writers and I got into this hustle mode. I mean, I don't know. I was working 19, 20, 21 hours a day. Like it was insane because all I could all think on all time, on
1: the blog or during your day all, job and then the blog.
0: No. So, um, at, in the beginning I had my day job and then the blog was on the side for a couple hours a day um, then I had to make a decision. Uh, It was too much. And my wife kind of was like, Hey, you're burning out. You got to decide which one you're going to keep and which one you're going to get rid of. And as luck would have it, when I decided the blog is the one I want to keep, I got fired from my job. Uh, so the decision was even easier. (laughs) I said, all right, I'm going to try blogging full time. (laughs) Yeah, I can always get another job if I want, but I'm going to just try blogging for three months, you know, and and then I'll apply. And so it worked out. And so I started blogging and that's when I kind of had bought some other blogs, but got back to burning out in five or six years. And and then I started having kids and that kind of really started shifting me the other direction. Once I hit around, I would say around 400,000 of net worth, my lifestyle and feelings didn't really change that much. That was like the peak where I was like, wow, I feel stable now. I feel good. I feel like this will compound over time. I don't have to worry as much and I don't have to do things just for money. And so then I said, oh, I'm having kids, you know, and they kind of reminded me what life was, right? Like my kids don't work, they're babies. They just want to have fun and live life and, you know, and right, live in the right. real world. And I was like, the real world, oh my gosh, I forgot about the real world, you know, because <laughs> you get consumed online. And so I started going the opposite. I started selling off all the blogs one by one. Um, I built a couple of other sites. I had a site called Rockstar Finance that was, that was pretty popular for a couple of years. I yeah. sold that. And then really up until the last year, I was literally only working on budgets are sexy, like my one thing. And then I said, you know, and I had an opportunity come, you know, to see if I wanted to sell what that would look like. And it was just, it, was, it just worked out really well. And I thought, you know what, like, let's challenge myself. Like, what happens if you don't own anything? Like, how does that change? And I'm also a practicing minimalist. And I thought like, I'm so attached to this blog. It's so me. I mean, as a quarter of my life, I'm 40 years old, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and I did, I sold it a few months ago, which gave me a chunk of money, and they hired me back to blog. So I'm still there every day. It's still like my, my voice. Um, but but I don't own it, and and that was like really freeing for me. So technically you're talking to someone that doesn't own anything online. <laughs> 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 you know, but but you know, but over time you go through these phases, you know. So I'm sure. glad I hustled when I did. But I, I so many of my friends are still hustling and they it just doesn't stop. And I ask him, I say, like Great, like you're you're a millionaire and you have all this growing business. Like, what's next? Like, oh, I'm gonna double my business, or I want to speak here, and I'm like, awesome. Like, you do that, then like, what's next? They, they, there's never an end. It just they just want more and more and more and more and more. Which I appreciate the hustle, but at some point, it's like, when what is enough? You know, and that's a tricky question for a lot. Yeah, of Yeah, or
1: for what, right? What are you working? Or in, for what? What's it for?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and you have people like you know friends that are getting cancer and dying. I mean, the whole Kobe Bryant thing, right? Like. He could have died in the middle of his career, right? Like it's just, it's just, you work so hard, but you have to remember to live too. And and money kind of, it convolutes stuff, you know, so it's good and bad and, you know, but it's all depending on, you know, channel, channeling it towards, you know, what your your ideal
1: lifestyle is. So what does that mean for you? Is there, is there something next? Is there not? Is it just family time? Is it a different blog, a business, real estate, or you're just (laughs) kind of taking it? (laughs) I mean, I know something, but you're obviously so young. Sure. You know, how, how do you manage or how do you, how do you think about what you're going to manage your time with doing in the future?
0: Yeah. So right now I still, so the company that bought my site was a division of the Motley Fool and and they're, you know, trying to build another site that I'm consulting on. Uh, so I think for the rest of the year, I'll be blogging. I'll be consulting with them. Um, and then just kind of laying low until I, you know, I don't, I don't really have an answer of what's next. I'm kind of going with the flow, um, but I do have like my, like my ideal lifestyle. So a few years I, when I was trying to scale back, I decided to like stop working like every day of the week. So I shut off weekends from work. I'm not allowed to open up my laptop on the weekends. Um And then I shut it down at night. So like after five or six at night, I can't look at the laptop, like an internal rule. And, and so that's really like forced me to only work during work hours Um, and now, you know, I'm in charge of my kids and and they're in public school. Um, you know, so once around three 30 comes, now I turned into daddy. So really it's like (laughs) five from 5am to 7am I'll work and and do correspondence, get the kids ready. And then from nine to three, I have work and then I shut off. Um, so as long as that I keep that, 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 uh, template, then whatever that work is in the middle is perfectly fine. Whether I'm volunteering, whether I'm, blogging, whether I'm working on something brand new, like I figured out that was the ideal lifestyle for me where I can feel productive, but also have the time on the side to to spend with family or other stuff that's important to me.
2: That's pretty interesting. Do you think that I, I guess maybe the question to ask is, if you didn't, if you, if you didn't force yourself to turn off the laptop at five o'clock or six o'clock, would you yeah. still find enjoyment to continue to work?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I get burned out really easily, you know, and the thing with the internet, when you work online, it just never ends. There's yeah. always emails there. and you see all your friends, especially because we're all over the world. So you're always seeing people hustling and doing stuff. And it's just, it's just so addictive, you know? And it's weird too, because honestly, when I stopped working the weekends, I thought, oh my gosh, like that's like 10 or 12 hours of, of the, that is taken away from me that I can't work. But magically, my my habits, I got more effective working during work time, right? On Friday, I had, knew I had to do the most important stuff because I couldn't see it until Monday. It's
2: weird how, how that know? works, huh?
1: Yeah, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I didn't lose any productivity. I got more efficient. And what, what did happen is I got more excited on Mondays because I'd have the whole weekend off. I can – like I'd read a physical book and I'd fall asleep and take a nap accidentally, like a nap, can you, like, when was the last time, like, an adult took a nap, you know? <laughs> and, and so that changed, and by Monday, I'm like, all right, ready to go, like, you know, I'm excited, I got, by the time Friday comes, it's like, oh, I need a break again, you know, so, it's yeah. funny, like, as an entrepreneur, like, when you work, you ca- everyone kind of want to work for themselves, like, oh, I can set my own hours, and that's, like, the perfect life, right? But the reality is, like, entrepreneurs work so much more, and they, a lot of them don't have lives, because they're con- so consumed, Yeah. you know? And so then I'm like, I wonder if like the nine to fivers kind of have it right, like they do their thing, <laughs> right? But then they're then they're done. Night, they have every night and weekend off. And I know not everyone, but let's say just the average.
1: Yeah, know? right, right.
0: Like that's pretty amazing. Like you have all nights and weekends, and you know you don't have to worry about something crashing and burning. You know, like because you don't own it, and you have other people to help you with stuff. <laughs> I yeah,
2: don't know. no, that's crazy. So I I guess let's ask this question. Let's just say money wasn't wasn't necessary in your life anymore. You had okay. everything you wanted. Would you still be working those types of hours online in some sort of business, or would you kind of change that?
0: Um, I I still be doing something. Um, I, it doesn't necessarily have to be online. Like I've been like obsessed with like historical stuff and like old cemeteries, um, which is really weird, but I, I just enjoyed. So I'd always be doing something during those hours. Like I wouldn't be watching TV like while my kids are are at school. I'd always be doing like either exercising or volunteering or building something in person. Um, or something online. Yeah, I, I'll be doing something. And I think that's what I like the most about this whole thing with money and, and this online world is that y- you do have a lot of freedom. And I'm the type of person, like, I just want the opportunity. If, some, if something comes up that really excites me, I want to jump on it and do it. And I don't want to say no because of money or because of time or because of, you know, some other commitment. I want to say yes right away. And so as long as I have that ability to do that, like that, like that's a perfect position for me. Um, and I think that's something a lot of people, you know, um, struggle with or don't even think about like what they truly want in life. Like, cause you can ask anyone, like, do you want a million dollars or be a millionaire? And they're going to say yes. Right. I've never heard anyone say no, but then like, what does that mean? Like, okay, you have money, but like, you still have, like, how do you use it to the best? And then usually it's like, you know, some hobby or to spend time with someone, and these are all things you can kind of do already if you change things around and not everyone and there's certain jobs and restrictions, of course, but you can kind of live these better lives daily, incrementally. You don't have to wait until this big thing at the end happens. Um, and I think that's what I've learned over my 12 years online and, and thinking and talking about money every day is that it has to do with money, but like, it's really not. It's life. Like, what do you want out of your life? you know, and money helps That The more money you have, obviously you can channel to help your life faster and better, but it it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you have to chase it the whole time, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. And I think that's great advice that, you know, people always refer to retirement as the golden years, but figuring out how to make the golden years every year and whatever that means to you and how it revolves around money and making that happen instead of saying, Hey, I'm just going to push it all off till those golden years or whatever. So, yeah, totally what what are you doing now to kind of teach your kids about money?
0: <laughs> That's a good question, and admittedly, I haven't been the best of it, but I will tell you, so like we're big yard sale people, we like to go find deals, maybe I'll try and flip something for money or just you know swap out crappy furniture for better or whatever. um but I realize my kids, without limits, like they want everything, um so I've started incorporating two things that I'm trying to figure out how to add more in other life like one at yard sales because they're so small if they say like oh i want this bear or this truck or whatever like people are so nice like oh you can have it for free you don't have to pay for anything right and at first they're like oh this is so cool but i noticed then that they would start acting different like being more cuter in order to get something for free and they didn't want to spend money anymore because they knew they could get stuff for free so they started like tricking yard sale people like the sellers um, and so I made this rule, like no more, you can't get anything for free. If you want to buy something, like you have to spend at least like a dime, right? You have to spend something. And so now what's interesting is now they don't like just take junk home all the time. They only buy stuff that like they really, really want badly. And because it's their money, which they don't have a lot of, they're very like particular and they pay more attention. Um So that's been super helpful Um that I'm trying to, to teach them, you know, in life in general. Um, you know, but then other, like the one thing that I struggle with is is clutter. And, you know, again, as a minimalist, I don't have that many things that I own. Um, and, but I'm, I'm having a trouble, like, like making sure there's no like toys everywhere and that they're just not like consuming all the time. Um, which I'm still trying to figure out.
1: I thought you were going to say initially that you got to tell your kids to go over to the golf clubs and beg for those. So you don't have to buy them.
0: (laughs) 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 That'd be fun uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> all right, so let's jump in before we kind of get into some maybe some investing mistakes and advice to wrap it up. Just a couple of rapid fire questions here. Okay. what's been the most uh, expensive car you've ever purchased?
0: Ah, uh, probably the one I just bought last week uh two thousand sixteen Honda odyssey um what I spend twenty two thousand so it was used, but it wasn't new. It wasn't uh, what I don't know they would go for thirty thousand, but yeah, I'm now a minivan dad, so. That, that's
1: okay. the biggest one for me. <laughs> nice. What about a meal out, most expensive meal out that you've paid for personally? Uh, nothing too exciting.
0: I don't know, maybe 50 or $60. Um, I once had Kobe Beef and Dal. Is that what it was? Same, a company I worked for. I think it was like a $300 meal in Vegas, but I didn't pay <laughs> for that. And, and that wasn't really that good, to be honest with you, either. So I kind yeah, of didn't pay for
1: that. <laughs> okay. Along your, your journey here in life and, and everything, what's been worth spending more money on to you?
0: Uh, Coffee. I spend money at coffee every single day. And basically, so I take out $200 of cash every month. And then I'm allowed to just spend it and blow it on whatever I want. I don't track it. It's just like $200 in the line item. Um, and that is like super freeing to me because, you know, I'm investing and I'm doing all that stuff. But just to have that release of do whatever, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like it's in the budget. You're allowed to blow it um that's like my my bliss and it's so just crazy because it's only two hundred dollars comparatively you know
1: yeah did your wife do the same
0: uh we tried but she doesn't really spend that much money and she uses her card for stuff and she's like super frugal
1: so like yeah. it, there was
0: no point in it
1: <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. yeah uh how old were you when you became a millionaire 39 39 okay have you ever used a financial advisor?
0: no I've talked to them. I have friends that are in the space, but I've never hired one or gone through like a complete, you know, course or yeah. anything like that. No, uh uh-uh.
1: Okay. How much do you spend a year? Household spending?
0: This year, I think we're on track to spend um, right around 70000 a year.
1: Okay. Any uh, favorite books or websites? Anything you recommend that's helped you?
0: Yeah, one of my favorite books um, that I read two years ago to really kind of, refocus myself was called essentialism, um, by Greg McEwen, I think it is. Um, yeah. I
2: just barely finished it with my wife.
0: Oh, cool. Wait, yeah. barely like you just did it or you couldn't get through it.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. Like she and I b- read it together is like our January book. And I like just finished it last <laughs> okay. week. Is great. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. That really like focused me on like, just do the stuff that's like important that, that matters to you and get rid of the other junk that, you know, doesn't at the end of the day.
1: Okay. Awesome. Uh, as much as you're comfortable sharing here, your sure. range of, of household income through your working life.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it's right now around 200,000, uh, we make, uh, this, this year, um, a few years ago. So if you go back a decade, I'll start from the beginning and just go fast in case it's helpful. I was making uh 60,000 at my day job. I started the blog Oh, the blog was making like $10,000 a year, like nothing too crazy. And then I I got fired from my job. And I started making about $40,000 a year on the blog. Uh, my wife went to grad school for six or seven years, so she stopped making money. I would say I, my blog, the highest I think I've ever made was around $125,000 a year from the blog. And then I started having kids and not wanting to do stuff for money. Um, which was bad since, um, the whole family was on me. And I think I started making about 50 or 60,000 for three years supporting a family of four, um, and nothing else. Um, and then about three years ago, my wife went back to the workforce. My kids started going to public school. So we didn't have to pay, you know, two, three thousand a month on daycare. And so now we're about 200,000 a year. You know, so in the like six years ago, we were about 40,000, 50,000 a year. And now we're 200 based on those changes. Oh, wow.
1: wow. Good for you. And thank you. Thank you for sharing. What does your yeah, wife sure. do?
0: So she works for the government, but I can't really say
1: No, after. No, no. All good. All good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we talked about this a little bit, uh, Jay, at the beginning, but what does happiness and fulfillment mean for you? What, is, what does it mean to be happy and fulfilled? And has money played an influence at that, if at all?
0: Yeah, I think the freedom, the ability to choose what you do on a given day really, really fulfills me. Uh, and money certainly has because, uh, we paid attention to that for so long. Now it gives us, gave us that freedom to do that. Um, you know, like I said, we're not, we can't retire. We're not financially free yet. Um, but it's let us kind of work on our own terms without having to worry about the money, uh, which is really, really nice. And then, you know, what you do at that time you know, I spend it with my family. I I go on long walks. I volunteer at historical, historical societies and that kind of stuff. Cause that interests me, but it yeah. really comes down to the freedom itself. Like to have that choice, you know, because we change as people too. I mean, there's stuff I loved 10 years ago, you know, like I loved going out partying and drinking beer all the time and, and why buying lottery tickets and, you know, chasing the dream of being a millionaire. Like that's how I started the blog. How would I be a millionaire? Right. That's cool. And now like, I don't like that stuff doesn't, it doesn't, I don't care about it as much. I care about like, like, you know, family and, and other stuff. And so uh, we change as people over time. So I think if you can, as as long as you can set yourself up to move with your changes and not be held back, like that's a, su- a sweet spot to be in.
1: Yeah, the priorities shift a little bit. Totally, totally. So, any big, just in closing here, any big mistakes that you've made that you caution people against? Or, on the other hand, I know you just gave some terrific advice, but any other advice in closing that you wish you would have done earlier or or even later in life? Any advice or mistakes?
0: Yeah, it took me a long time to start investing um, and especially my 401k. It took me a few years when I started out of college to actually pay attention to that. I wish I would have done that earlier. Um, I've invested and loaned out money to friends, um, that kind of got weird. And I, and that's always a tricky situation I'd, I'd be wary of that I've learned in the last 10 or 12 years doing this online is really like tracking, like, you don't have to track a budget if you don't care or like every penny, but you have to know generally how you're doing. And every month, every quarter, like for me, the net worth was what was my guiding light. Like every month I can look at it and say, okay, here's the areas that are going good and here's bad because they're just pure numbers and and they don't lie right they're either negative or they're higher or they're even um and then you decide if you want to change anything or you're happy with where you are um so that was the net worth was really my epiphany as far as tracking stuff um and then the lifestyle stuff i know i talked about it before but you know like we do, or we don't do really good at really trying to figure out what our ideal lifestyle is and if you could figure that out it's a lot easier to then know how much money you need to fulfill that lifestyle, like my wife, for example, all she wants to do is work a job that she's passionate about, that has you know good health care, and then she'll do it. she wants to do it like she told me the other week she wants to do it for thirty more years, you know, and I'm like, wow, like that changes everything, you know like i I don't know many people <laughs> like that, you know, but she knows what she wants, and once you know what you want, it's a lot easier to kind of go for it. You know, um, so I think like having these discussions with yourself and serious ones. Like I know everyone wants, you know, millions of dollars and to travel the world or, or whatever. Like that's fine. But like realistic, like day to day ones that you can do every day. Yeah, I don't know that 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 I never really paid attention to until you know probably once I had kids and I was like, wait a minute, like I don't have all the time in the world anymore. Like, what have I been doing my whole life? Like, wasting it, you know? (laughs) Kids change a lot of that stuff. No, I
1: I appreciate you sharing it because I I I, you know I think it's something that needs to be talked about and I think it's something that's hard to figure out, right? And I I think life is just gets so busy and full of distractions that. Yeah, it's hard to sit down and and I think you're right in the sense that you go you, you go in stages right. Early in your career, you might be totally gung ho. Then you have a couple kids, or you get older, or you reach a financial milestone, and then you say, "Gosh, you know what was important to me 10, 15 years ago, it's not anymore. Now it's time. Now it's family. Now it's being able to do what I want when I want. It's being able to volunteer to historical society or what you know whatever somebody's interested in." Yeah, And it's hard sometimes to get that perspective when you're grinding at work or you're passionate about a blog or, you know, you're caught up in a relationship situation or, you know, whatever the case may be. It's hard sometimes to take that step back and figure it out.
0: Yeah. well, wow, you summed up this conversation really well. No, all, <laughs> I, that all I came from been...
1: you. <laughs> That's all you, man. So tell us a little bit about about the blog and where people can get in touch with you and find out more.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, So, my blog I write out every day is um, budgetstarsexy.com. And, you know, it's nothing too in depth. It's just stuff to get you to think about money. And then you go to other blogs to get the real in depth, you know, analytical stuff. Projects I've worked on, um, kind of like my online resume. It's uh, J money, just the letter J, then money.biz, B I Z. Um, And then Twitter, at budgetstarsexy, is like my social media, you know, choice. And so I'm always hanging out there. Yeah, feel free to ask questions, check stuff out. Um, you know, I'm always doing this for fun and as long as you don't hit me on nights and weekends, I'll, I'll respond fast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome, awesome, love it. Thanks, Jay. Net worth of just over a million dollars. Thanks for coming on the show and, and sharing all this information. Really appreciate it.
0: All right, thanks, guys. It was thanks, fun. Jay. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.